0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. While well, we're back with another Unlocking the Truth podcast, I hope you've really been enjoying looking at uh, the Book of First John. Uh, last uh, time we were together, Derek and I had a, a conversation together about living uh, of the world or uh, being righteous, and this. Uh, week. We want to look at um, something that might seem a little bit more, uh, it might seem similar uh, to the world versus the righteous, but we want to look specifically uh, looking at chapter uh, 3 of 1 John verse 10 and how it starts there. And it starts with uh, this um, verse. It says, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious, and anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of the devil, nor the one who does not love his brother. This the statement from John that brings about uh, the idea here that it's very clear, very simple to see the difference between uh, a child of God and one who is a child of the devil, this is what we're going to unpack this week. So before we do, would you join me in praying for our time together? So Father, we come before you now. We ask that um, you would speak clearly to us uh, through uh, your word, through the book of 1 John, as we study chapter uh, 3 together, specifically, Lord, looking at the differences of a child of God, a righteous one versus uh, one who is of the devil, Lord. So, Father, this is uh, going to be an interesting uh, time together, Lord, simply because the truth will come out, and we know that uh, the truth will set us free, Lord. So we give this time to you now. In your name we pray. Amen. So here we are. You know, it says there that clearly in the Bible, John couldn't be any more clear, as we've talked about through this podcast that um, uh, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious, and I wanted to start here by uh, really looking at um, John's audience again. We've done this through uh, the overview, but I want to show you as we work through uh, the scriptures today and then over the next uh, 35 minutes or so that um, we are going to see a distinct difference between one who is a believer and one who is of the devil. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you're you're listening, uh, I'll tell you the verses. And um, we're going to start way back in uh, 1 John chapter 2, Verse 29, and I want you to listen and see and hear if you can tell um, the key word that keeps coming forward within these scriptures. First uh, John chapter 2:29 says, "If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also practices righteousness is born of Him." In chapter 3, verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9 it says. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Let us love one another, for the love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So are you beginning to see a pattern here as we continue to work through these scriptures? There's one word that keeps coming over and over and over again. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. And chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And then down in chapter 5, verse 18, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. So there's this repeated phrase, this repeated word, over and over and over through all of these verses. I just read through Uh, six different verses and the word that keeps coming back is born and we're talking here about the relationship of being born of God and so what we want to do this week is we want to unpack five truths that you will know that you're a child of God so five truths from chapter 3 that uh, you will know that you are a child of God and, and really, this whole kind of um, summary of what a child of God is begins back in chapter 2, verse 28, and it says, Now little children, abide in him, so that when uh, he appears, we have make, may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. There's that born again that we've already read once. But the other word there that comes up and is a really good thing to know about, and we talked about this last time in our podcast, is that word confidence. And how do we how do we know that we know that we know that we're a child of God? Well, in chapter three, he begins to tell us these things that will help to prove uh, this confidence in this uh, ability to know that we are a child of God. So here is truth number one: is that uh, Uh, comes in verse one. It says, see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are for this reason. The world does not know us because it did not know him. So the relationship here is one, there is this phenomenal privilege that we have the ability to be called a child of God. The reason that we can be called a child of God is because of the amazing work that Christ did on the cross, that Christ was the uh, propitiation. He was the sacrifice. um, He was the um, blood that was shed um, that made atonement for sin, that because of uh, Christ's work on the cross, that when God looks at sin, it's as far as from the east as to the west. And it's not there when we are uh, dressed in white and covered with the righteousness that comes through uh, Jesus Christ. And so because there has this been this rebirth, this born of God that we were formally, as Ephesians says, formally of the world. This is also talked about in our podcast uh, last time was that, uh, you know, these people are of the world, these people are righteous, but the fact is that we are no longer of the world that we now are called children of God. We've had a spiritual birth here that we we haven't physically died and then been born again, but we have this uh, spiritual rebirth that we're now not living for ourselves or for the world any longer, but we're now living for Jesus Christ. And the fact that we are living by faith for Jesus, we now carry the title of child of God. And so let me just give this to you for a moment. And I've written some notes, and I want you to hear this. And the very fact that the uh, passage begins, see how great the Father the love of the Father has bestowed on us that would be children of God. The word "see" in the Greek is a strong uh, kind of "pay," a, uh, behold, pay attention, be in wonder and awe at the very fact that you are a child of God. Uh, and so, how amazing it is to know that uh, in all of this, that the work on the cross by you know our kind of hearing the gospel, receiving the gospel, believing the gospel, repenting of our sins, and now living a life uh, that is after Jesus, abiding in him, we have this wonderful privilege of being called a child of God. And so know that what you've really had is a change of position. The world, it says in the passage, it doesn't know you anymore. It doesn't know you because the transformation has been so big and they don't know because they don't know him. And so truth number one is that uh, it is an amazing privilege to be called a child of God when we abide in him. Uh, Truth number two is uh, continuing on into the next verse. It says, Beloved, uh, now we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And so what we have here is that when Jesus uh, returns for his children, uh, we will be like him. So he continues to focus on the child of God, reminding us that we have hope now because we know that we're a child of God. We have our future is uh, secured through the blood of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus appears, we're going to be just like Him. You know, look around, watch the news, but don't be dismayed by the very fact that one day Jesus is going to return, and when He returns, uh, we will see Him and we will be like Him. And I cannot wait for that day that when this transformation occurs from from the world that we live in, the problems of this world will be be gone, and Jesus will be on his throne, and he'll be reigning, and uh, we will be like him. Look at verse 3. It says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. And I think the important thing to know here, and just Contrasting back to where the focus is in our lives. If we're focused on the things of the world, we're focused on on the wrong things. And if we're focused on Jesus, and the more we focus on him, the more we abide in him, the more we abide in his word, and, and we keep our eyes on that prize, the reality is that uh, we're going to be uh, formed and shaped to be more Christ-like as we grow in our sanctification. And and we'll have confidence in that ability to know that, you know what? When Christ appears, we won't shrink away because we know uh, where we stand. We know our position. And uh, look at verse 4. And uh, verse 4 begins to talk about those people of the world and so everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness we'll come back to that for a moment uh, in a few moments because I want to continue through these truths of uh, the child of God so look at verse 7 this is where truth number three comes from little children make sure no one deceives you the one who practices righteousness Uh, just as he is righteous. And so uh, truth number three is the very fact that we will not be deceived. Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Righteous, and so John loves for his uh, for his readers is brought out in this verse. He writes and he says, "Make sure no one deceives you." Uh, this can also be read as, "Let no one engage in deceiving you." How important is it for us to know the truth? The warning against false teachers and deception is important for us. Uh, and it is important for us to know the truth. It's clear, and it applies to uh, our modern day. We we have to uh, know the truth. We have to know that there is a certain way of living our lives and a certain way of practicing righteousness. and And think about the uh, the book of Romans for a moment. and And uh, the Antinomians were were asking, and and they continue to sin. Uh, And so they thought the more they sinned, the more that grace would abound. And Paul says, uh, no, that's not true. You cannot keep sinning and practicing sin and grace will abound. You're you're not doing anything here. And this is what uh, John is saying is don't be deceived. That uh, those who practice righteousness uh, uh, is just as he is righteous. It's not that uh, you can continue to practice and live in sin is that you cannot be deceived by those things. You've got to know the truth. And so this is why, again, it is so important for us to know and be grounded in God's Word because we need to know how to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, walk in a manner that proves that we have this title of child of God bestowed upon us. We need to be proud of that, not arrogant of that, but proud of the very fact that we are children of God, and we need to live as though we are trying to impress the Father. You know, We want to live in a way that uh, the light of God shines out into our lives, and that there is a clear distinction between one who is of God and one who is uh, not of the world. In in my years in my early years of ministry I spent uh, much of it as a youth pastor with teenagers and we would go to these large youth conferences in our in our city we'd have uh, hundreds of kids coming from the high schools and from uh, the local churches, and we'd get into the same room with these teenagers, and the same thing would go over and over and over again uh, with the kids. And you could hear them saying the same things. And they would say, "Oh, I didn't know that person was a Christian. Oh man, I, look, I didn't know they were a Christian. I didn't know they were a Christian." And I can only imagine on the other side of the room, students are doing the same thing. I didn't know that they were a Christian, and so now you've got this kind of fine line of people. You know, not being able to know by their actions, by the way they live their life, living according to the title that they have, that they're not living out their faith. That students who claim to have the same faith as the others cannot tell by the way that they're living their lives whether they are a child of God or a child of the devil. That right there is one of the biggest struggles that Uh, is in place within our local churches today. Are we truly of uh, God? Are we living a life that brings glory to him? Or are there signs there still that we are uh, slaves to the world, that we are uh, living for the world versus living uh, for God? And so here we have in truth number three again, That children of God won't be deceived. That those who practice righteousness uh, are righteous just as he is righteous. Truth number four uh, is in verses 9 and 10. And so we'll look at verses 9 and and 10 again. Truth number four is this uh, children of God, they stand out in the world. Uh, No one who is born of God practices sin. Because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious, and anyone who does not practice righteousness is not from God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And so the children of God, they stand out in the world. Who hasn't said this at least a couple of times as the example I've just given you is I didn't know that they were a Christian. It's clear that the children of God and the children of the devil, they have to be obviously different. Those who practice habitual sin, those who continue to live in habitual sin are children of the devil. Those who practice righteousness are the children of God. One of the clear markers for one who practices true righteousness, not self-righteousness, actually becomes the fifth truth. It's the very fact that truth number five is this, and it's found in verses 11 to 24. And so I, I don't have time to read through every single one of those verses, But the simple fact is that truth number five, one of the signs that you are a child of God is by the way that you love. And this is of great debate here because now we can look at these verses and and we want to look at a couple things. There's the example of uh, Cain and Abel and uh, we're not going to be able to cover that today. But it says, uh, verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone hate who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know that we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? This verse 18, maybe maybe we want to skip verse 18 because I think verse 18 is where uh, the rubber hits the road. In verse 18, it says, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And we will know by this that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. There's there's this topic of love here, and I want to go back to these verses that talk about uh, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. One of the signs of of being a true child of God that we have left our previous life in the world behind is that we have a genuine love for our brethren. Now, the the great debate becomes, well, who's the brethren? Is is, is the brother the one who is on the street corner holding a piece of cardboard asking for uh, 25 uh, cents I mean 25 cents that's probably nothing but you know spare change or is it the person uh, the homeless person um, outside of uh, a shelter who who's desperately in need is it a, a person who lives in your community that has been uh, affected by flooding or um, a natural disaster are, are those the people that we we should show love to or should we only show love to people who are um, in the church? Well, that's probably a debate that uh, we'd have to um, tackle in a whole other conversation because uh, even as uh, we've talked about this as a staff here at the ministry, uh, that's taken uh, hours and hours of, of, of discussion to look through all of the scriptures within uh God's word to to come to that conclusion, but I think one of the important uh, truths here is that the love for the brethren is more than saying that you love somebody. I think the the very fact here is that John is telling the uh, brethren one of the proofs that you have uh, left your selfish ambitions behind that you are. Now a uh, child of God that you are living in in the light of God's grace is the very fact that you are willing to make sacrifices in the same way that Jesus laid down his life, that you are going to make a sacrifice for the brethren. And and you're not just going to do it with words and say, you know what, I love that person, but you're actually going to put that into action. And he says that you are to uh, not love with word or with tongue but in deed and in truth. I don't know about you, but every time I think of the word deed, I think about an action. Somewhere where we need to uh, go and do something for another individual. One of the stories that comes up, and we we may look at this in, in the future, is, is the Good Samaritan. You know, the man was beaten on the side of the road and... Uh, left for dead, basically. And and the first man passes and walks by him and and looks at him and essentially says, I don't have time for this and keeps going. Uh, The second does the same. And then the third stops and bandages up the uh, man who uh, this Samaritan is in enemy territory, stops and and bandages the man. Then he... um, provides for him, and gives him a place to rest and recover. And one of the most important truths that can come out of that is the very fact that I think, me personally, this is coming from me now, is I think the first step that the 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 Good Samaritan made it actually involved time. It wasn't the bandaging and the um, taking him to a place where he could rest. It was... Actually, the very fact that he stopped to, to pay attention to what was going on around him, saw the need, and then met the need. And how many of us, uh, on a on a regular basis, look around and don't want to take the time? You know, I remember as a pastor, uh, some Sundays, people would come to me and uh, My first words out of my mouth might be, how are you doing this week? And yet in the back of my mind, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that could be a landmine of a question because you don't know the response that's going to come out of that. But the reality is that I think that what John is saying here is that a true child of God is one that uh, is loving the brethren. So uh, one who pursues Righteousness is one who abstains from sin, does not practice sin, and has a love for the brethren. And then he ends that chapter by giving us uh, some examples of how to love the brethren. But there's a distinct thing here uh, for a child of God is. There's this one, they abide in the truth, they abide in the Word of God, they abide in the commandments, that uh, they do not practice sin any longer, and and they love. So there are uh, some clear differences between one who is a child of God and one who is of the child of the devil. So in the last few minutes, let's spend a a short amount of time. We don't want to spend as much time looking at the others, but... uh, the fact is that the children of the devil are obvious as well. And so I want to look uh, with you at um, back in chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So I want to look at this word lawlessness for a minute. The word sin uh, really is. Uh, means to miss the mark. And so uh, sin is uh, obviously the exact opposite of righteousness, but this word lawlessness, it comes up again in Scripture, and it is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, verses 3 um, and then verse 7. So I'm gonna uh, just turn in my Bible and I want you to um, hear uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and uh, verse 7. So uh, verse 3 says, Let uh, no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, uh, the son of destruction. The, the Greek uh, for son of lawlessness, or the, the Antichrist, is the same uh, Greek that um, John is using for uh, the description of sin in John, First uh, John chapter 3, verse 7 of First Thessalonians. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only uh, he who now restraints will do so until he is taken out of the way. So uh, this Lawlessness, or this lawless one um, in Second Thessalonians is in complete reference to, to, to the Antichrist. But what uh, I think that um, John is saying is everyone who practices sin uh, also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So what this lawlessness is, if it were to be compared to the Antichrist... Uh, this lawlessness is a complete and utter rejection of righteousness. It's a complete and utter rejection of Jesus Christ. And so if that is uh, the way that um, this would work, it, it, it would fit within the context of of First John and what we're talking about, uh, because there are those who uh, choose to live that way, those who choose to deceive, those who um, later, as we'll look at, one of the possibilities of this sin that leads to death, uh, which will be in one of our final weeks, uh, is a discussion on the complete and utter rejection of Jesus Christ. And so uh, what what he's saying here is the one who who is a child of the devil is one who completely and utterly rejects Jesus Christ. They're living for their own selfish ambitions. Look what he says down in verse verse 8. Uh, he says, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son appeared for uh, this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The book of Isaiah describes um, the devil, and he describes him as one who uh, was, had anger and uh, sin in him from the beginning, and that he was cast out of heaven. And if you are working through the precept upon precept study, you would have studied those cross-references. But you can look that up. Look up the, the cherub that was cast out of heaven in the book of Isaiah. And so from the very beginning, he was a sinner. We know in the Garden of Eden that when he was with Eve, he, he tempted Eve, and through Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, and therefore uh, through Adam's sin, sin now comes uh, to all men, and that is uh, Romans chapter 5. And so we've got this uh, total and utter uh, rejection of uh, Jesus Christ. There's this lawlessness. They're a part of the devil. It's clear for us and important for us to know. And, and John 8, uh, verse 44, I want to look at John 8, verse 44 for a minute because uh, Jesus and, and through uh, John, when John wrote in John eight forty-four, 44, uh, we have a uh, description of the devil. And so John eight forty-four says this, Uh, You are of your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. Listen to how he's described. You know these verses. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him and whenever he speaks, uh, he speaks a lie from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is this devil, this uh, man we call Satan, uh, completely and utterly rejects Jesus Christ. He he's the opposite of Jesus Christ. He's the enemy of the cross, and so uh, those who are of the devil are an enemy of the cross. Look at the end of verse 8, it says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible is clear that uh, Satan's dominion, Satan's uh, place of reign is the world. His, his purpose is to uh, destroy us. Uh, in the book of Genesis, God told Cain that sin was crouching at the door. The book of Peter says that uh, the devil is prowling around, ready to pounce. He he wants to see uh, himself and his agenda reign. And yet Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Galatians, let's look at Galatians uh, chapter 5 for a moment. And so uh, now you begin to get a, a list and we want to look at um, the, this list of the differences between uh, a child of God and a child of the devil. And, and, and this is where we'll, we'll probably come to an end of our time together in Galatians chapter 5. But listen to what he says here. Uh, he says, uh, verse 16 of Galatians 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So, first and foremost, here's Paul, what Paul is saying that the flesh, those who are of the flesh, your flesh, the things that are of the spirit, they can't get along. They're at war with one another. So, the desires of the flesh. Uh, and the desires of uh, the spirit or of the Lord—they're—they're they're against each other. They battle each other, and so he says, uh, "Walk by the Spirit." Every time I hear uh, "Walk by the Spirit," I think about this uh, YouTube video where they uh, sing "Walk by the Spirit," and then—and then part of the chorus is uh, "Stomp the devil out." So there's a there is a clear. Uh, part here where you, you don't continue to practice sin, you don't continue to live in sin, but when you walk by the Spirit, you get rid of all of that stuff, the things of the flesh, and you walk and live according to uh, the ways of the Lord. Uh, verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Which are? Here you go. Here are signs of uh, a child of the devil. These are the signs of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, uh, factions, envying, drunkenness, and carousing, and these things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let me give those to you again, because when you hear these things, ask yourself, does it sound like the world? Do these things sound like those who live in the world? Because if you stop and you pause and you say, you know what, I'm seeing some of those things in the lives of people who call themselves child of God, Well, then we've got a real problem. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Ladies and gentlemen, folks who are listening to the podcast, this is the world. This is the world that we live in, and more and more you are seeing immorality rise to the top. The battle and the debate over uh, sexuality, over uh, gender identification, over homosexuality, all of these things are rising to the top, and the Bible has made it very clear to us that these are the things of the world. These are the things that the people of the devil pursue. And therefore, those who are children or a child of God should not be in pursuit of these things, but they should have the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of them. Listen to what he says here about the fruit of the Spirit. These are things like, wait a minute, what's the first one? Love, joy, peace, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. All of these things become the fruit of our life when we are living as a child of God and we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit within us. You see, this is the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil, and it comes down to sin. But it doesn't come down to the very fact that a child of God should live in perfection But it's clear that the Bible tells us, and in 1 John it makes it even more clear, is the very fact that one who continues to practice sin is of the devil. They're still enslaved by sin. They've not been... uh, uh, repented of it. They've, they've continued to follow after the desires of their own flesh. These are the children of the devil. And what Galatians tells us about those who are children of the devil, those who continue to pursue uh, the things of the flesh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, you see, the amazing thing that we have here. Because, back to truth number one, because we have the privilege of being called a child of God, we have victory. We have victory over sin. We're not enslaved by sin. We still may mess up in our lives and we still may have sin, but it is not the practice of our life. It is not the way that we continue to live our lives. It is the very fact that, You know what? We have mess-ups, but we have an advocate before the Father who continues to speak on our behalf, but we do not continually walk and live and practice the deeds of the flesh. And the very fact that Jesus Christ came to destroy sin, to defeat sin, you and I as children of God, We have victory over sin. We have confidence to one day stand before God because we carry the title of the child of God. And guess what? While the world won't inherit the kingdom, we will. And so that's why we should keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Keep your eyes and your hope fixed on him and continue to ground yourself in the truth of God's word. Why? Because the reward at the end as we persevere is far greater than anything this world will ever offer. And so that's the challenge for you this week. This is the difference between a child of God and this is the difference between a child of the devil. Who are you? How do you know? For more information on how you can find out, I have a great Bible study that I would love uh, to send you. And all you have to do is you have to go to our website, preceptministries.ca, and you can go into our e store and look for the book, How Do You Know God's Your Father? It's a 40 minute Bible study. And you can grab that on our website, and we would love uh, to send it to you. It's only $10.99 plus shipping. If you need more information on that, feel free to call our office at 877-234-2030. How do you know that God's your Father? What's the difference between one who is a child of God and one who is the child of the devil? Well, I think we've answered that today. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you again for the wonderful privilege of being called a child of God. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he was the payment for sin, that his blood was the covering for our sin, that, Father, you have shown mercy to us because of that great sacrifice. And so, Father, help us to Embrace that title. Embrace that role as children of God. Help us to live a life of righteousness. Help us to practice righteousness. Father, by your Spirit, show us in the areas where we still need to continue to grow. Convict us of our sins so that we would get rid of it. Father, that we would be able to, just like a garbage day, take the trash to the curb and let the truck take it and take it to the dump so we'll never see it again. Father, do that with our sin so that we can continue to be a testimony to the work of the cross in our own lives and in our community. In your name we pray, amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.